Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos, 630 Chad. All right, appreciate you tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on 630 Chad. The news for the Edmonton Oilers today, they have made a free agent signing 26-year-old Josh Archibald joins the team. He was with Arizona last season. 12 goals, 22 points, uh, has decent speed. Hopefully, hopefully can help the Oilers penalty kill, which has been uh, really bad the last couple seasons. He was on Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer earlier today talking about choosing the Oilers. No complaints on my end. Uh, coming into uh, a great organization with great players and great staff, so I'm pretty excited here, but... Uh, there were a few teams that had reached out and that were in contact, but I think for me, just with uh, Holland and Tippett coming in there, and you know, you got superstar players on the team, and the opportunity provided itself, and it seemed like the best fit for me and um, what my play is and the style of play that I that I bring to the table. So uh, we just uh, decided that the Edmonton Oilers were the best fit for me. All right, Josh Archibald, uh, the new Edmonton Oilers. We'll see how he fits in. Some text to 630-630. Jet Solver says, My ex won my love by getting me a signed Ricky Ray picture. Ricky throws the prettiest, most efficient football I observed in over 50 years of watching our CFL. Choose your heroes carefully, Dad said. Did pretty good by Ricky Ray. You are missed, man. That is from Jet Solver. And another texter says, My son was 8 years old, loved Ricky Ray. He was at a Sobeys in Sherwood Park. We went. The son brought his mid-sized NFL football. Ray signed it. And then after the season, Ray went to the NFL. The ball is still around. It was cool for the two of us. A couple of texts to 630-630 as we just had Ricky Ray on the show. He's going on the Eskimos Wall of Honor on September 20th. And uh, I will introduce Chris Morris initially as a uh, former teammate of... uh, Ricky Ray probably makes you feel good to hear those fans saying that. <laughs> yeah, it's good to hear. Anything from Ricky Ray is good to hear. I'm glad he's uh, back in town. I'm glad he's going up. It's going to be great to see him up there. So you're, uh, you're later in your career when he joins the team in 2002. And, I mean, then all of a sudden a month in the regular season, he's your starter. I asked him about that, that very first game, which was spectacular. But did you know what you're going to get or was that nervous with the young guy at the helm well you know obviously before he plays you're nervous because right. we had it was it was a ferrari he was driving like he had some pretty good playmakers like you think of a receiving core and the running back we had we had some pretty good pieces right so for him for somebody to come in who hadn't played before to take that over was obviously unsettling for all of us because we knew we had a we had a championship caliber team right but then for him to just continually get better and better and better and like you know it lasted his whole career like even at the end of his career he was just 
he knew how to get the ball out. He very accurate with the football, knew what to do. He's, you know, another coach on the field. So, and better than that, just a tremendous human being. You never, I don't think you could ever find anyone to say anything negative about Ricky Ray just because he's that kind of person. So he fit the mold for what we wanted from, you know, from the Eskimos to a T. Did he ever raise his voice? Get upset? Uh, you know, I'd be honest, hardly ever. Like, if I ever, if it might have been once or twice if I heard it, and it wouldn't have been, you know, maybe over losing at cards or something more than, more than, <laughs> more than you know, <laughs> football. So I don't, you know, Ricky was pretty calm. He, he had it figured out. He understood that, you know, the team kind of goes with where your quarterback is. So if your quarterback's erratic and then calm and then erratic and then calm, your team reflects that, right? So Ricky was very good at keeping it all in perspective and on the even keel. You know, I wasn't I wasn't working at the, at the station at the time. I was, I was living in Lloydminster, but had had season tickets, and I'd always, you know, listen out listen to chat after games and you know uh jason got hurt and ray played most of the time and then ray left so jason was the guy in 04 jason came off the bench a couple times for big wins in 05 and there you know whichever if if the eskimos lost whichever quarterback played more in that game it would always be like well they ricky should have played because he's calmer but then if Ricky lost, well, they needed Jason in that one because he, he he's, he's emotional to get the guys fired up. Yeah, it's hard to keep people happy, especially <laughs> with Edmonton football. It's very difficult to keep people happy. So those two guys, they, they played off each other really well. It's just you see how football works, though, right? Is like Ricky never would have played. Like he never would have got in that first year if Jason could have stayed healthy, right? And it's it's that that the nature of the game, the violent nature of the game gives people chances to play and then when they get in some guys, you know, they walk through the door of opportunity and some guys have a real hard time with it, right? So Ricky's always been someone who could seize the moment and has obviously did incredibly well for himself. Did the, he mentioned it in the interview, the 2002 Grey Cup loss, did that really eat at you too? Yeah, that hurt. That was a bad one. It was at home, you know, a lot of us, you know, we were vested in the community, right? Especially back then where everybody lived here year round and it was like, you know, I have Montreal sort of celebrating on Commonwealth Stadium on the stage and yeah, it was it was painful for all of us, right? And it was one of those where you know, I didn't leave my I was in my basement for a while there. Like it was tough, like to get out of there and like even just to face people and just to you know to because you felt like you let everybody down, right? And it was we really outgained every we really did everything we should have done to win the game except for win the game. So and that's none of that matters, right? <laughs> we lost. So that's it was it was it was hard on all of us. And I think it fueled us for the next few years. But you know, you look at that team. That's a team that could have won, you know, it could have been up there in the in sort of the same category as a team that won five in a row. We could have, you know, we could have very easily three won four, three or maybe, four, yeah. yeah, you know. And so, you know, we just didn't quite achieve that. But, you know, I say that loss, that was one of the worst losses we had. Like that one, we had one the year, like two years later, we lost to Saskatchewan at home, which was very, very tough to deal the with. The fake punt. Yeah, that was a tough one. And I don't blame Coach Higgins. I don't blame anybody in particular for it. I We just... We didn't play well enough to beat Saskatchewan that day. And that was a team that we didn't philosophically, moral, ethic, everything about them we didn't like. And it was just like they just did things a certain way that just wasn't our way. And so to lose to them was very difficult. So, Yeah. So that was like, wasn't that when it was ended 12-9 or 13, some weird score? And yeah, yeah, I'm sorry weird. for bringing it up. Yeah, you guys no, had, no. Plenty of, you had no. plenty of, and you, you're a three-time Great Cup champion yourself uh, early in your career, 93. And I, I didn't even realize this. You started from a rookie and not everybody does that in yeah, pro no, football I got lucky like you know and uh, you know one person's misery is another person's happiness sometimes like, and you know I'm very much like Ricky like I I didn't have to wait till the season started like my the guy who was in front of me in training camp got hurt in training camp his name was Trevor Bowles he was an outstanding player like I you know if he would have kept if he would have been healthy there's no way a rookie could have possibly come in and taken his job he just knew so much more about the league and everything else right but you know when he got hurt I got an opportunity to step in and just and just ran with it and you know, I think there's only 
I think there's only one positional player who's played more games than me for the Eskimos. So it's been, it was a good run for me. It was a really good, really, really, really good experience. And, you know, obviously I'm in the community still here and raised my family here. And it's, you know, been a wonderful thing for me. Oh, who's ahead of you? I should know that. I think Connor, Rod Connor played. Oh, Connor, yeah, yeah he, was, he was way up there, yeah. Uh, Chris Morris joining us uh, in studio, uh, coach of the U of A Golden Bears football team and, and former Eskimos offensive lineman as we're, as we're starting this conversation with Ricky Ray going to the Wall of Honor. And I asked Ricky this, interesting from that sort of early 2000s era, you're coaching U of A, Ed's the GM of the Lions, uh, Jason's the coach of the Eskimos, Tucker's on the staff, Gas is on the staff. There's probably guys I'm... I'm missing, and I know ex-players going to coaching, but it seems there's a lot from from those those teams who went on to coach or manage. Yeah, Tim Princeton as well coaching. Oh, with yeah, of course, right? yeah. yeah. There's just there's there is a bunch of guys. That was like, and it's it's like anything else. Like when you have a special group of people that that just because you win a lot of football games, usually there's more to it than just winning football games, right? And there were some good people there in that room, and. Uh, you know, so when times get tough, like those good people could rally around each other and figure out a way to be successful, even though things weren't going great, and even though things were, people might be saying things that weren't, you know, beneficial to us or supportive of us. We figured out a way to make it happen, and that's, you know, those sort of people tend to do well in life. People who are work through those things and just keep going forward. So, I, you know, I think there's quite a few of them from that team. There's there's quite a few more that are being successful in other areas of life too. Yeah, well, that's a, that's a good, good good point. Uh, was it you guys out that good line? Was it Grant Carter? And then he went into security or something like that, like right in the prime of his prime of his career. I'm trying to think. There's a few. Grant Carter was a few. There were a few guys. Like there's Tim Fleiser, who was a who's a lawyer as well. There's yeah, there are a bunch of guys that went on and did really yeah. really well. And like, I mean, you if you know. go downtown, you'll see Fleming walking around yeah. all, all the time. <laughs> so <laughs> it's funny because Fleming and I were rookies together. And I remember Fleming like he when, when he was still just a kid, right? So I, it, it's funny to watch him. He's been so successful and doing so well for himself. It's awesome to watch. Awesome so let me see. ask this because I'll kind of uh, start with a question about this year's Eskimos, but it transitions into your experiences as a player and a coach. They said it, and you know, Natasha was here, he said, we don't want to talk too much about last year, but there were some things that weren't great. Team building and bonding is big this year. You know, Moss has talked about learning from last year. And I know as a, because I'm both a fan and a media guy, and I know if I, if, if you show me a box score and don't show me the final score, and one quarterback threw for 350 and one, the other guy threw for 200, Nine times out of ten, I'm going to be right. Which team won the game? I can't tell you, well, this team did this much team bonding and it led to this many. Like, you know, and sometimes fans are like, don't tell me about the team bonding. Why, why don't the, So what is that impact from your point of view, having both been, you know, the head of the group as the coach and in the group as a player? Yeah, I think it, it really is the yin and the yang of, of coaching and of football teams, right? If you don't have players, if you don't have guys who can win one-on-one matchups, then I don't care how great your chemistry is, you're going to get beat, okay. right? But if you have a bunch of guys who are prima donnas who can who can win every rap and they're always looking out for themselves and they don't really care about what happens, there's no... There's no component of sacrifice to their being. They just don't understand that sometimes they're going to have to sacrifice what's good for them for someone else on the team, which is, you know, in its essence, that's what football is, right? You can't win with that either. So it's got to be, it's got to be a comfortable mix of that. And the Eskimos have had lots of pieces. You know, they had, they have a great offensive line there. You know, they have some good receivers, and they found some great ones this offseason. And, you know, the, the secondary is very good, and that D-line looks like it's the best one in the conference right now, probably in the country. They got some pieces, right? Now, you add what Coach Moz is doing as far as bringing everybody together and getting everybody to play for each other. Now you got some stuff. And, and I think that team, I watch them play, and, you know, you know, I obviously I bleed green and gold, but I, I can't see, you know, 
unless devastating injuries happen or something like that, that team's going to be right there at the end. That's a good team. So I haven't seen a team play like that for quite a while here. So they lost one game so far, but they're, you know, you don't want to win every game either. You want to, you know, yeah. you need a little taste of it once in a while. And that team's going to go far. Like I got, a, I got a good feeling about this group. I got a buddy the other day. He said, he, he said, I can't wait for them to get out on the field and play defense. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. It's just kind of the, uh, the opposite. Chris Morris, uh, the U of A Golden Bears football coach is in studio. We'll, we'll transition into that. That's been an interesting journey. Uh, I mean, you're on the show several times during the year. You've had some. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ups and downs. You had a you know, great burst into the playoffs a couple of years ago. Trying to get back. Uh, we'll talk about several players you've put into the CFL. That's all ahead. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. you tuning in tonight inside sports on 630 Chad. We've had Ricky Ray on the show. We've had Detea Jay and Tavon Smith in studio from your Edmonton Eskimo. You've heard some clips from the newest Edmonton Oiler free agent signing Josh Archibald and in studio now with U of A Golden Bears head coach Chris Morris was telling some uh, tales of playing with uh, Ricky Ray great cup victories and uh, losses and of course uh, six seasons now you've been the coach of U of A Golden Bears. Just finished our sixth season yeah. Okay so Look, you and I talk about this all the time. You've had one playoff appearance. Uh, you've had some, obviously, more tough years than not with one or two wins. I think your first one, unfortunately, might have been an O. Yep. Uh, but, yep. uh, and I get this, again, as a media guy, I get oh, this no, all this no. time. What's, where, where what, what is the progress that you think is being made that maybe isn't showing up in the wind column year after year? Well, there's been huge progress. Like I know, and I know people look at it and they're like, well, how, there's, the winds aren't coming and you know, everything was going well and everything was trending the way we wanted it to until two years ago where we made the playoffs. And we had the best player in the country, a bunch of guys drafted, all those sort of things. We went into last year and we had just a catastrophic string of injuries. Like we had nine or 10 starters out after week two that were, and out for the year, mm-hmm. right? So some things happened last year that, that set us off, you know, off the rails a little bit, right? If you look at the things that are good and the things that are important, right? Like recruiting, can you get the top recruits? We get top recruits. We pulled a whole bunch of kids out of Calgary last year. We had a whole bunch of top Edmonton recruits. We get some of the best kids in the country to commit to our program. Do we have kids who stay in school? We have a very, very strong academic retention rate. We have a 97% academic retention rate. So we don't lose kids to that. We have some of the you know, most academic all-Canadians in the country. All those things are really, really good. Mm-hmm. So there's a, there, there's a stability that exists in our program that I don't think has existed for a very, very long time. Like, remember, get to remember, when I took over six years ago, they hadn't won a game in two years. And they, had, they haven't won a, a Vanier Cup since the 80s, right? So since 1980, I believe. So if you look at that, there's been a long-standing history of, of challenges at U of A football, right? So building a foundation for something that's going to be going forward and being successful is a lot, it's a lot more difficult than just sort of coming in and saying, okay, we'll put a few pieces here together and we'll try to win some football games. And I think we do have a very solid foundation built. 
Um, I think the funding's in place now. Like, like I've told the story before. Like the year before I got there, they gave out thirty thousand dollars, thirty-five thousand dollars in scholarships. We're close to three hundred thousand dollars in scholarships now. Now that's that's comparable to Calgary. That's comparable to Saskatchewan. You, you ask someone, okay, if I'm going to spend thirty thousand on something, and someone else is going to three hundred thousand on something. Well, what's going to happen? Right. Well, a decade of getting your butt whooped. Right. That's what's going to happen. Right. And that's so. So all those things needed to be rectified. And and. and I honestly feel they have been, and we're a couple of key players away from being right in the mix, and not just right in the mix as being a pretty good team, but right in the mix to be one of the better teams in the country. And I thought two years ago, you know, we went into Calgary and beat them the last game of the season, beat Saskatchewan the week before that, went into the playoffs and played Calgary in a very, very tight playoff game and lost. Like, you beat Calgary, you're as good as anybody. And it's not just sort of like, okay, we're still like a 15th, 20th place team in the country. We're as good as anybody. But, you know, I said last year, last year was obviously disappointing and there were a bunch of reasons for it, but we feel very good going into this year. We got some good, solid kids coming back. You know, I think we're going to take a step forward this year. I don't want to be too positive and I don't want to be, okay, this is exactly what's going to happen because we have to earn it. You know, we have to earn some things here. We haven't had enough wins to walk around talking about how good we're going to be. We got to earn some things going into this year. Uh, how many old linemen do you have in the CFL that you coached? Oh, I Cordy, yeah. Lawrence, Beard. Cordy, Lawrence, Beard. John Harkey's there. So, three, four, yeah, four. That would be the fourth one. Cordy, Lawrence, Beard, Harkey. And Harkey's practice roster right now with what do you call it, with, uh, with the BC Lions. Okay. So that's four and six years, which isn't bad. You know what I mean? So... You know, that's the position I think we've, we've done a real good job developing him. I have a kid this year named Carter O'Donnell who's honestly, he's going to get NFL looks. I've had two or three NFL teams call about him already. Um, prototypical, like 6'4", six, 6'5", six, kid, 300-plus pounds, very strong, very quick. Yeah. I thought he was the best lineman at East-West last year, that college all-star game for the uh, for the Canadian kids. I, and he's going to get some serious interest. He'll be a high, high-round draft point choice as well. And then we have a series, like, we have a whole bunch of linemen still in our program that are, that are coming up through over the next few years. We have a Peter Kajushka, Rodin Brown, and, you know, hopefully again to get another good recruiting class of offensive linemen this year. That's that's an area where we ha- we, we've made a lot of hits in that area. We've got lots of good players. Yeah. Uh, so the recruiting I mean what, when did you start recruiting for this year is there a oh, is there a four years ago there are rule well there are some <laughs> rules as to when you can get a kid right yeah but, well there's a kid that, like there's, there's kids in high school here in Edmonton that I've been talking to since they're in grade eight right so that's the and that's one of the things where you build a relate like, you I'm not a sales guy like I'm not like I, I don't have any background in sales or any of those sort of things I try to build a program where everybody graduates we have outstanding academic success on and off the field we turn out good young people and then I get to know the kids in the community and I get to know their parents and I say this is what happens like when you come to us like Ed Elnecki came to us like Mark Cordy came to us like Justin Lawrence came to us like Tom Sumpus came to us like Greg Sever like and I could go on I could list 30 or 40 guys that have graduated since I've been there that have gone on to be great great kids great people great young men in the community graduated all those things you try, to, you try to recruit that way, and mm-hmm. you try to recruit around substance. You try to recruit around, this is what's going to happen to your son. This is what's going to happen to you if you come play for us. At some point, hopefully we can create an avenue for you to play professional football. That would be wonderful. But that avenue is going to sink very quickly for you. At some point, you're going to have to be on a different pathway. And if you get a degree from the University of Alberta, you're going to be pretty good, right? And that's, that's our selling point. We're not, like I said, we're not salesmen. We try to create a great product. U of A, the, the education at U of A is a great product. So now we just had to to build a program around that so strength coach nutritionists mental training physical training all those things the bubble that the university put up for us was a tremendous thing for us right. you know having being able to train year-round so 
again, just talking foundation. Got lots of foundational pieces there. It's just, and I, you know, I understand where some people are impatient, but you know, when you're starting with nothing, it takes a while to get going. When you're starting that far behind from where we were, it took a while, and it's still taking us a while to get going. But I do feel very strongly about the the character kids we have and the quality of kids we have going forward. Yeah, well, that's exciting to hear. And uh, I, I mean, I, as somebody who went to the U of A, I mean. It's been a long, like it's been a long time. I, I, yeah. You know, I was there in the '90s, and the football team, you know, wasn't wasn't that great. And uh, obviously, I guess under Friesen, they got two seven and one seasons, I think. So yeah, they went. They yeah, they did really well for us for a short period of time, and then they dropped off pretty quick too. Right? And like, again, it comes down to like they they depended a lot on junior football players. So they got a bunch of two and three year junior guys in, and they did well. But then when those guys left, they fell off quickly. Right. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to do it a little bit differently this time. I, you know. I think once we get going, we're going to be strong for a long time just because we have that depth, right? We have the depth around us, but that's, you know, we got to get going. That's the thing. And, I, you know, no one's more impatient than I am about getting this thing going. Trust me. Like, if anybody thinks they they don't like losing, like, talk to anybody who knows me. I, I don't like losing. and I, I've been, It's been very uncomfortable being on the sideline for the last six years and walking around the community and feeling like you're letting people down. It's not in my nature to, to sort of half-ass something and try to not make it go well. We're trying to get this thing going, and everybody's working as hard as they can. So. All right. Uh, can you stick around for a few minutes after the yep, news? Because I want to ask about a couple other things that's going on with the team, and uh, I'm sure we'll hit on some other uh, coaching issues too. And we will also, in the next half hour of the show, now I, I told Jay Lynn I might put the uniform on. We're going to have a segment on beach volleyball. I haven't decided if I'm gonna, gonna can I wear leave the before uniform. That? Yes, you, you'll be done by then, Chris. <laughs> so that'll be fine. There's something starting uh, tomorrow at uh, KA's. Uh, one texture says Chris Morris uh, say uh, says another Eskimo legend, and this texture says I think Rod Conop won the 50-50 one night. I think he did. He did, yeah. Yeah, after he was playing. <laughs> yeah. He didn't have a yeah. ticket in his helmet. Yeah. More with Chris Morris after the news. Listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. All right, appreciate you tuning in tonight. You can text 630 630. Uh, oh, well, I'll ask you this. I haven't even asked you this. We got a texture who says, uh, is it true that the Golden Bears have a U.S. high school quarterback coming to the U of A? There's yeah, a- we have. We're still we're still working on getting him into school, <laughs> which is a long process to get okay. an American kid in here. But yeah, we do have a kid coming up, T.J. Robertson. Um, very good player. Played down in uh, California, top league down there. So he's uh, he'd be a very very good weapon for us. Now we got another great quarterback coming in from Regina too. This kid, this kid named Luke Hornung, who was who we had ranked as our number one quarterback in the country this year in our recruiting class. So we we got him. He won the provincial championship there. He's a real good player. Are you going to start a freshman yeah. QB? No, no. We have we have we have, we'll have some options. Like whoever wins okay. the job is going to play. Right? Okay, it's hard no, to throw enough. a freshman into Canada West like that. You know, but if, if someone <laughs> wins love the that job, when I will, ask you that, eh? You know, Brad Lonhart's our quarterback right now, and he like. He didn't have a great year last year, but it was in a foreign system to him. Like, Rick Walters has come back to be our coordinator this year. We've had two coordinator changes, and Rick's one of them. And Brad won player of the year twice with Rick. So he, he's very comfortable with that offensive system. So I, I feel very good. And Brad's a grown man. Like, he's a, he, he's, he's a mature person who understands how, what right. it takes to play. So I think he's going to be okay. 
text here about the uh, Ricky Ray interview. Joe says, Ricky said the trade worked out for both teams. Well, he's a class act, but no way that trade was good for both teams. At that point, he was an obvious Hall of Famer. Eskimos got little in return. Uh, love Ricky 15 is number one that is from Joe and Esk's fan Glennie who I've heard from before a loyal listener and texture of the show says gotta love Chris Morris as well as Ricky Ray we used to go to O'Leary pool a lot and one time Chris showed up there my son and his friends all got autographs on their chest from Chris with the lifeguards marker he should be the next one up on the uh, wall of honor there you go yeah, no, I remember that. I remember I used to live in the North End there. I used to teach at Lizert for many, many years, right, while well, I was still playing. So, no, it was good. Uh, is, is it, what's it like meeting when you were a player? I mean, what was it like meeting fans? Was it kind of like remind you that they cared? Was it a little humbling? What was well, it like? it's always humbling. It's always great to see. It's it's just a reflection of, of Edmonton, right? Edmonton love their Eskimos, and they, they know who most of the players are. Like, when you're starting to know who Chris Morris is, you know the depth. You're pretty, you're pretty <laughs> good right. on the roster, The right? old, the old so, line, man. You know, yeah. you know who the right tackle is. You know what you're in a sports city, yeah. right? So it's... You know, obviously it's a little different for, for, you know, guys like Ricky and Jason who walk around who are, you know, icons in the city and all that sort of stuff. It's, you know, it's 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 a fun place to be. It's it's a fun place to, to play CFL football because there's no there's no market really quite like it. So it was a lot of fun for me. As you know, Blake Dermott's uh, on every week with me and he's on our broadcast and he, he insists the O-linemen are the best athletes. <laughs> Just, if, if only I would recognize it. But if you could I, remove I, Blake from the equation, I would agree. <laughs> 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 oh, Blake's awesome. Like he's Blake's still coaching. He's I think he's with the Wildcats this year. You know, grew yes, up great high right, school yeah. football coach. Like yeah, Blake's give, been giving back to the community since he since he retired. He's you know just a, and and really a. I don't know if you ever, obviously you sit down with him all the time, right? He's just a great guy. Like, just to talk to him, he's just a, you know, anytime I'm feeling down, I try to talk to Blake a little bit because you always end up feeling better about things. Yes, and, and uh, we, I was talking with him, uh, Principe was in on Friday, and we were both saying how Blake will, ex- I mean, obviously, Blake, people like you, you have such a greater technical knowledge and all the little intricacies that go into a play, and he'll always tell me something that, I'll always learn something, or then I'll start watching for things I wouldn't have watched for before. You know, or he'll say, "Well, yeah, they got the touchdown there, but they set that up four yeah. plays earlier." Right? I was like, "Oh yeah, I never, I never thought of that." So I, I think that's I just eyes. Like you know, that. you see the game for so long, you start picking up things. You know, Blake saw it forever too. Blake played a whole bunch of games as well, so yeah. he's coached forever as well. So he's got a whole bunch of knowledge in there. Uh, what's the one thing about being an old lineman that the uh, general public wouldn't appreciate or recognize? <laughs> I think, you know, I, I don't think people understand how close that group is. Like, when you play with a bunch of guys, like, every everything that happens happens to all five of you. So you really are, there's no there's no position where you're, you really are rooting for each other. And not just rooting for each other, like, you're protecting each other. Like, you're part, and you're not, you're not just protecting each other. You're kind of the, you're protecting the team, right? Mm-hmm. I always say to my guys, like, you're, you know... You're the you're the five biggest toughest kids we got. So if you're soft, like our team's soft, like you understand, you're the teeth of the team, right? So when you play with guys who understand that and what the responsibility of that entails, then you got something, right? And you, we've had you know kids like Corday and Lawrence and you know Harkey, like those kids really understood that and they really got after people and they understood how to you know how to protect their teammates and how to play a certain way. So that's, it's it's changed a lot over the years, like just the, what what you can do on the field and how you know how aggressive you can be on the field has changed considerably over the last ten years, but it's it's still that position. As you've, uh, what, six seasons now as you have a head coach, so you must have a greater appreciation for, okay, Moss kicks the field goal on first down. Okay, uh, uh, Carroll calls a pass from the one-yard line in the the Super Bowl. I mean, you must... 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, the... it's, it's funny because everybody, everybody always second-guess everything, right? What they don't understand is that for Jason to make that call, Jason's watched film. Jason knows exactly what their onside kick percentage is. Jason know, Jason's watched everything, and he's done all hours, copious hours of watching film to understand this is probably the best play to make. And it's really easy to second-guess almost any decision you make on a football field because it's like, oh, well, the other one would have been right. But you got, like... Where I get upset is when, when a coach will be like, well, you should have done that. And it's like, man, you've watched maybe two hours of film on this opponent. Like, there's people here who have watched 30, 40 hours of film <laughs> right. on this opponent. This is what we, maybe we yeah. should do this, right, based on this this information, right? So, yeah, it's always tough. And there's, you know what? Coaching is one of those professions where unless you win, there's always going to be second guessing and there's always going to yeah. be people who think you could do it differently, right? So, Well, and every play in football basically has a black or white outcome. Yeah. The offense wins it or the defense wins it. No, absolutely. And that's, so. you know, that's why it's such a good chess game, too. You watch the coordinators go after each other it's fun to watch football because they can there's certain things you can take advantage of and some some people are very instinctual about how to how to call plays well and it's funny Natea Jay was in with Devon Smith earlier he scores a 77 yard touchdown on second and 10 where he catches the ball more than five yards behind the line of scrimmage if a BC guy blows up that play or Natea stumbles the Eskimos and the coaching staff are the stupidest people in the history of civilization because they call the pass behind the line to scrimmage on second and ten. It goes for a touchdown, and it's the most brilliant play call ever, right? Well, it's like we talked about, right? You can talk about chemistry all you want. If you have a slow guy catching the ball five yards behind the line he's not going 90 yeah. yards, right? Talent so. always helps, right? And, yeah. that's, uh, I, and you know, I, I, uh, Archie Henderson was uh, on the show on Friday. He's the new Oilers pro, pro scout, and he talked a lot about, you know, character and character. And, and, of course, you know, somebody tweeted me, like, quit talking about character, it's talent. Yeah. Of course it's talent. But if everybody has talent, then character's the tiebreaker. Yeah. Well, right? the funny thing is car- talent can get you so far, but you're not going to win a championship with people you can't count on, with people who can't be trusted, with people who aren't going to do the right things in tough times. You just can't win. You can win some games with them, but they'll always kind of let you down in the end. So that's why it's... You need that combination to, to yeah. do both. I, I love that discussion, and you know, I think it's awesome. It, it, I, I think it, a lot of it comes down to trust. I mean, maybe I, I don't have to like the same types of movies as the guy next to me on the offensive line, but I, I got to know him well enough and trust him enough. I think that's ultimately what it comes down to. Well, and you got to, it, it's us against them, right? Like it, when, you're, when you're in that huddle and it's, or you're with your offensive line mates and something's happening or a defensive lineman's doing something or like it, it's us against them. And, and it really is a territorial game. You like, we've made football very gentle over the last 10 or 15 years, but it's like, <laughs> we're trying to take territory from other people here. This is a, this is a tough guy sport, right? So you can't have like, if you don't really care about the guy beside you, you're not going to do those extra things to defend him that you would if, if you really are tight with the guy. And I think that's that's the important part of it. Okay, what's uh, the schedule here for the Bears? Man, we're mid-July already. It's ramping yeah. up. Holy cow, yeah. We start uh, 10th, 10th and 11th. We start up with our medicals. Then we have our training camp. And then, we you know, we get to open up the season this year against Calgary at home on the 30th. So we're, we're excited about that home. There's opener. a regular season game. Well, I guess there's always one in August, isn't there? Yeah, usually right at the end of August. Yeah. So right, right as the kids are arriving back onto campus, we have that 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 uh, that first game. So, you know, we're excited to play them. We played them last year at the end of the year, and we were like, like I said, we were we didn't have many guys left by the end of the year last year, and we didn't play them well. And the kids, I know we've been talking about it all off season. That you know we want to pl- we want to play well. We want to show what we can do and how we play, how we play football. So we're excited for that first game. Oh, I should get this in here as well. Ed Nicky was on the show Friday. Heck, Crichton winner 2017, one of the greats that you coached. Uh, he's 
going for to rugby Canada. Yeah, going to play for the Pacific Pride. Yeah, it's a shame. You know, I, I honestly feel that if you know if a team would have taken Ed and said you want, we want you to play tailback and given him you know 10, 15, 20 carries a game, he'd be in the CFL right now. But it's it's one of those things where you know Canadians often you know especially at that position don't get put into don't get to play tailback. They have to play special teams or whatever the case may be, right? So, I, you know, I think Ed will be outstanding at rugby. Ed's just a, a quality person. Like, there's nothing... Like, Ed's working for ATB Financial. I was talking to him in the weight room the other day. He was in training at U of A, and he's like, oh, you know, I felt kind of bad, like, leaving ATB. And it's like, dude, you're going to play for Rugby Canada. Like, the national team is asking you to go yeah. play. I think that was understand. the time to do it. Yeah. yeah, and you're still young. You know, the good thing about Ed is he started for us as an 18-year-old, right? So right. He, was, he was done with eligibility, 23, right? So he's still got lots of tank, lots of mileage left in his tank if he wants to keep playing sports and he's he's such a competitive guy that I could see why he'd want to play. Chris, thanks for coming in. We, we always have you on several times during the season. Uh, I wish you all the best. Thanks for giving us some insight into what's going on with the program and, and sharing some memories from uh, playing for the Eskimos and playing with Ricky. You're welcome anytime. Thanks for stopping by. Thanks, Reed. Much appreciated. Chris, when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Morris, head coach of the U of A Golden Bears football team. Uh, we'll talk about a little bit of beach volleyball when we get back. Subscribe to the Inside Sports Podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. This is 630 Chad Inside Sports. Subscribe to that podcast. You get a free canned ham delivered to your house. Toronto leading Boston 6-4 in the bottom of the seventh at Fenway. The Oilers have signed free agent forward Josh Archibald. He was with Arizona last season, and uh, there are reports out tonight that Ron Francis will be the first general manager of the NHL's Seattle franchise. Have they named that team yet? They haven't named it the, the Sockeyes or the Totems or the uh, the Coffee Sippers, whatever they're going to call it. The Fraser Cranes? The, the, the Seattle Fraser Cranes. Yes, that's a good one. The uh, Seattle Needles, maybe? I don't know. Uh, 6.30, 6.30, you can text. And you can call 780-496-0063. Fun show tonight. We had Chris Morris in studio. Ricky Ray was on the show. And Atea Jay and Tavon Smith from your Edmonton Eskimos were in studio as well. And uh, we got something pretty cool coming up here in uh, Edmonton. And for more on that, we're going to bring in John May, who is the president of Live It Live Limited. John, I know you've been uh, very busy, so thanks a lot for checking out Inside Sports Night. You're on with Reed. How are you doing? I appreciate you having me on, Reed. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Well, thanks getting a lot for... To... Sorry, go ahead. No, I'm just getting ready for the event to kick off tomorrow. Okay, well, this is... Uh, we got some be- the beach volleyball uh, coming up, uh, starting tomorrow at Northlands, going on with K-Days. Now, is this... Is this the first time we've had a world tour event in Canada in almost a decade? Has it been that long? 
Well, yeah. As a matter of fact, I guess the last one, the last regular stop on the FIDB Beach Volleyball World Tour that was, uh, you know, part of the Olympic qualifying process was back in 2011. So it's, you know, it's eight years while um, in Toronto they did host um, the finals of the World Tour event, but um, you know we've never been we've never been in Western Canada, and we're so excited to bring the uh, the beach to Edmonton here. All right. So when you what what's the key here? And, and I saw some video today, and I think our mayor took a pretty good spill. Were you there for that? <laughs> I was actually his teammate at that particular time. Oh, and <laughs> oh no. my goodness! I, 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 you know what? What a great sport the mayor is. You know, and and an athlete. Like what they didn't show was a previous couple of plays he made where he aced the world champions. So. Uh, but he did take one off the uh, kisser, that's for sure. Uh, and Mayor Iverson out there in his, in his dress clothes, diving around in, in the sand. Tell everybody where the, the court's going to be, be uh, set up and how they can take a look at the action. Well, we brought in about 1,600 tons of sand to build a beach right there on what was the former Northlands racetrack. So, you know, right there, kind of the finish line of the racetrack was built uh, courts two, three, and four, and the center court has been built right around the horse parade area where the horses used to be paraded before they'd, they'd go into competition and after. So it's it makes for a very unique venue. We've even brought some straw in to build out the decor, and, uh, you know, it's going to be a fa- fantastic party uh, with turning that racetrack into a beach. It's been a, it's been a lot of work, but it's, it's going to be a ton of fun. How, how many teams are we going to be seeing here? There's 91 teams wow, from okay. over 28 countries around the world. Um, and like you said earlier, the, the, the feature attraction is our Canadian women's team, who's just fresh off their world championship win in uh, Hamburg, Germany, just on July 6th. They beat the Americans uh, in a very, very tight final there, and, and uh, we're excited to you know, be hosting their homecoming party. John May joining us from Live It Live Limited, setting up the uh, beach volleyball, the uh, World Beach Volleyball Tour event uh, at Northlands. He just described it's going to be basically uh, the old horse race track here. And it goes, what, Wednesday to Saturday? Yeah, Wednesday uh, is the qualifier. Wednesday and Thursday are free to the public. Okay. And Friday, Saturday, Sunday, uh, you can pick up your volleyball entourage pass for special courtside seating and... uh, on Friday, you'll be able to catch some of the action uh, with your K-Days pass. So it's going to be uh, make for an exciting opening weekend for K-Days, that's for sure. John, you know what? I, I think for a lot of people, they probably see beach volleyball in, in the Olympics. Um, and it, it's it's I, I enjoy watching it. And I played volleyball when I you know I was younger. I, I love the sport. I just I wish I got to watch it more than than I could now. Um, and I've done a lot of interviews over the last couple of years on three-on-three basketball, which is going to be in the Olympics. Do you think there's a, I don't know, is this reflective of our society, our attention spans, our thirst for action, that we're seeing maybe shorter games with more action packed into a smaller time frame being more more popular? Kind of a bigger picture question, but I'm wondering how you see the rise in popularity. Oh, you know what? Uh, that's a great question. You know, 
volleyball has always been what I call a competitive recreational sport. You know, it hasn't broken through in the echelon of of pro sports uh, like the majors, but it's always been a sport that people have been drawn to to play because you can play it socially, you can play it in groups. And I think that uh, the beach game evolved out of, you know, the same principles of the indoor game, but it was a bit of an escape from structure. You know, when you play indoor volleyball, you play with a group of 20 and you play, you know, you got a coach that's really controlling and driving and a big part of the strategy of how your team performs. Well, in the beach game, it goes back to that basic one-on-one relationship. You and your partner, you're out there, you know, you're battling against the elements, it's hot, and, you know, you're out there and, and in some cases you're, you know, you're, you're really under the... the focus of the intensity and when you make a mistake you know it becomes a a bigger deal you know in some of the larger aspects of sports you know uh, you can hide you can escape but uh, you know like tennis it would be a good example we just saw a battle in Wimbledon there like two gladiators going at it and it's not only a physical game but it's so mental and I think the beach game within the volleyball world it, it does that. It's two on two. It really isolates you. You're under a magnifying glass. You know, any any little mistake that you make is magnified. And, you know, let's face it, there's no subs. If, if you can't make it happen, then, you know, you end up losing. There's no, there's no rest. So I think, I think sport is, is really becoming a real individual influencer in people's lives to get really philosophical. Like, there's so much emphasis now on health, nutrition. You know, athletes now are so powerful, and they're, you know, when I was playing, you know, 30 years ago, it was a completely different thing. You know, you go to McDonald's after a match, but these athletes <laughs> now are so finely tuned, it's like, it's incredible. And that's no, you know, that's no slight on McDonald's, but French fries aren't necessarily considered a, a, a recovery. Food. Yeah. Uh, John, we're, we should we should talk again um, because I mean, obviously, you have a long history with with the sport in general, right? I think I'd like to I'd like to get into. Well, I'd love to talk to you, Reed. I appreciate you having me on, and I hope everybody uh, considers getting out to K Days and come and watching this world class volleyball. At least get a chance to see and celebrate our Canadians, the world champions. Okay, so uh, qualifying tomorrow and Thursday, and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, and then you can check it out if if, if you if you get your way onto the K days round, you can go check it out. You got it. Okay. Hey, th- and is there what times? I didn't ask what times. And is there a website people well, can go to? Yeah, every day. Every day it starts at nine a.m. and goes the the last match of the day is at eight. That's that's up until Sunday, and then the the final Sunday it starts uh, with the men's bronze medal at one. The women's bronze medal at two, uh, the men's final at three, and the women's final at four. Uh, the best way to get a ticket and to check it out for more information is to go to volleyballentourage.com, and that'll tell you how to get a, a pass. And uh, you know, we'd love to see you at the beach. Okay, that is awesome stuff, John. Thanks for checking in tonight. I hope you have an awesome time here in Edmonton. I uh, appreciate it so much. Look forward to connecting again. That is John May on Inside Sports, president of Live It Live Limited, telling you all about the uh, Beach Volleyball World Tour event 
in Edmonton starting tomorrow on the uh, old Northlands racetrack. That's pretty cool. Also tonight, you're from Chris Morris, Ricky Ray, Natea Jay, Tavon Smith. Thanks for everybody who texted in as well. Always happy that you listen. Dave Campbell's the producer of the show. Kellen Kennedy, your studio operator. My name is Reed Wilkins. This has been Inside Sports on 630 Chat. I think Jespo's in for Adler tonight. That'll be fun. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.